Greetings ladies and mental gents and welcome to this patch video for the web novel Out of Space taken from the website Royal Road. And as always I hope you enjoy the narration and if you do please consider supporting the channel. Chapter 289 Mansion of Madness Captain Joseph of the UNMSC ignored the females trying to get his attention at the ball as he listened to the radio reports that broke out into a smile before he quickly took a sip of his drink to cover it up. Sir, Lieutenant Silverstar, OC of Falcon Company, appeared at his side and spoke in a low voice. It's done. What's next? Enjoy the party, of course. Joseph grinned. They must be getting confused and nervous at this point. Should we evacuate the people here? Lieutenant Silverstar gave a quick glance around the surroundings and was filled with partygoers. If they take action now, it'll be, um, messy. No worries, Joseph replied. We have already carted out into our plans. Yes, sir, Lieutenant Silverstar nodded. When do you think they'll act? No, pretty soon, I guess, Joseph replied. Watch those two. The rest of them I'm not so worried about. Silverstar followed Joseph's gaze to the two knights lounging on the side. He nodded again. I'll have my men surround them already. Should they act, they'll be taken down immediately. Dead or alive, Joseph took a sip of his drink. I don't really care about those two, but the young master and the night captain need to be alive. Yes, sir. Titus made his way back around the table where his sister Judas sat. Slightly drunk. What's going on? He hissed impatiently. Where are our men? What? Judas gave a warning look to Titus. You want everyone to hear us. Why do you need to sneak around like rats? Titus cursed, but he lowered his voice. But just call the men in and kill them all. You want to massacre everyone here? Titania shook her head. Use your brains, please. You want to turn this whole city against us. So? Titus sneered as he stood wobbly. Everyone here is in bed with the enemy. Traitorous scum. You! Titania half rose in fury, but Judas stopped her. Sit down, Lady Titania, Judas smiled, and enjoyed the show. Outskirts of the Governor's Estate Knight Lieutenant Trello placed worriedly before his gathered men and kept glancing towards the estate grounds. Why is there no word yet? Lord Trello! A runner came up to him and bowed. We cannot find the traces of our advanced scouts. It's like they disappeared, the knight reported. Heaven's Gate! Trello pounded his gauntleted fists together. No time left. We attack now. Squad leaders! Trello spun around and roared out. Attack now! Saw Bruis! Attack the main gate. The rest are going to plan. Go! With that, the Knights of Silver saluted and broke off into action. Knight Browers led his charge of thirty knights and began his assault on the main gates as a distraction while the rest leapt over the fences and made their ways towards the mansion with murder in their eyes. Governor's Estate, Main Gate. Lance Corporal Ladin stretched out his back and stood next to six other fellow Marines with a section of dress uniforms, manning the main gate of the estate. What do you think is happening in there? His buddy, Private Terry, gave a shrug as he kept watch over the street. Good drinks, good food, pretty girls. What else do you think is happening in there? I mean, if the blue boy started the... Ladin paused as he suddenly spotted the shadowy figures appearing within the glare of the gate lights. Contact! Halt! The section leader roared out while his plan flipped open the flap of his side holster. Halt! Halt! Or we will shoot! The figures seemed to be running impossibly fast. They closed the distance towards the barricades of the gate within seconds. Fire! The marines quickly drew their sidearms and fired upon the order. Jerry 1, gate crash, repeat, gate crash, gate crash. 
Ladin cursed as he fired his single-action service revolver at the armed enemies before him. The knight wore a custom plate mail with some decor covering the surface and half of the helm exposed his mouth. Fark! The knight's mouth was curled into a sneer as he brought the kite shield up to his chest while swinging down on his sword directly at Aladdin, who emptied the revolver at the knight. The knight's expression turned to disbelief and his mouth into an O shape as five 6.5mm rounds hammered into his shield. The surface of the shield burst into sparks as the magic protection enchantments overloaded and the remaining mass of kinetic energy dumped themselves against the knight. He flopped backwards as some invisible force hammered him across the chest and the knight laid on the hard ground, groaning with his shield arm broken. Ladin had pedaled back and ejected the chamber of his empty cartridges and slipped a fresh five rounds using a quick loader. He snapped the chamber back and aimed the rest at the charging knights and cursed as he saw how outnumbered they were. Suddenly, the ear-bursting roar of a machine gun hidden on the roof of the gate erupted. Tracers darted out from over Ladin's head and he cheered with the rest of the section charging knights were knocked over by the heavy fire. Ladin fired another figure and suddenly he felt himself being lifted off his feet, followed by a loud crack of a small burnt meat. When he recovered his senses, he found himself flying against the wall of the gate and his whole body felt numbed. He tried to raise his hand only to see them blackened and charred. He looked down at his chest to see his body burnt black and the smell of roast meat had him in nausea before he fainted from shock. Governor's Estate, Ballroom. Eight cash. The earpiece in Mills' ear crackled and he turned to Drake. Crap. Drake quickly pushed his date, Irish well, towards the exit. Go take cover upstairs in one of the rooms. Go and lock the door. Go. Mills turned his attention to the table where Titania and the Imperial delegates sat and held the earpiece of instructions as the orders came flooding in. All the units evacuate the Sabidians as quickly as possible. Already the sounds of gunfire in the distance could be heard. Most ignored its thunder and rumbling, but soon the telltale roar of machine gun fire was too unnatural to be thunder. The gas started to sense something was happening and the festive mood started to change. Mull saw the Imperial delegates seem to relax and even laughing amongst themselves as they sat there drinking. He watched Titania as he made his way through the crowd, seeing her nervously twisting the folds of her dress. Raider 1 to King Falcon. Orders... King Falcon, keep your eye on the prize, Lieutenant Silverstar's voice crackled in his earpiece. Escort the prize to safety. Roger. Mills flipped his holster open and loosened his revolver as he approached the table. Hey, Princess, care for a dance? Tatana jerked up in surprise as she suddenly heard Mills calling her. She turned and saw him standing a short distance away and his hand towards her. A, a, a dance? Yes, Mills smiled. Come here, let's dance. I, I... Titania cast a worried glance around the table where the eyes of every imperial delegate stared back at her coldly. The constant thunder over the music and the worried voices of the crowd made her more nervous than she hesitated. Come on, take my hand, Wills winked. Just one dance. I... Titania bit her lips and stammered, uncertain what choice should be made. No! Suddenly a hand clasped over Titania's arm. Judas stood up and hovered protectively over Titania. She is my wife-to-be, I'm afraid. No man shall ever dance with her except me, of course. Oh, uh, that's a shame. Mills sighed as he took his back his offered hand. Well, since you said it, you do know that she is still a prisoner of war belonging to the UN until you paid up a ransom. Judas continued to smile and gently shook his head. Not for long, my friend. Ladies and gentlemen, may I have your attention, please? 
The voice sounded all over the ballroom. If you will all proceed out the ballroom into the gardens, we have a second event of the night for you all to enjoy. Hearing that, the curious crowd started to exit the ballroom, while Miles and Judas continued to stare down at each other. King Falcon to Raider 1, watch your sit rep. Mills' earpiece crackled. Is the prize secured over? Negative, Mills hissed under his breath. Getting cockblock here. Roger, stand by for diversion. Lieutenant Silverstar turned to Joseph and shook his head. Take out the two now, Joseph ordered. King Falcon to Claymore 2. Silverstar radioed immediately. Action. Sergeant Astaz of the 101st ATI Claymore 2 nodded to his men when the order came in. It was a boring deployment for them, as they were reduced to becoming nannies watching over two girls and the doctor and the magister. Finally, they had some excitement to prove their abilities, since Claymore 1 appeared to have been assigned all the fun stuff. Tonight, for the ball, he accompanied Liz, acting as her date while another member of his team was with the other girl. He kept watch over the two Imperial Knights that kept themselves at the side while Liz and Evelyn went to be gorged themselves in the food and drinks. When the action order came, Liz, dressed in pink silver ground, stomped hard on the floor where the hidden magic formation triggered was hidden. She activated the anti-magic trap that was powered by four of the large high-tier mana stones that they had recovered from Titania's ship. Almost immediately, lions glowed and raced from the trigger and the anti-magic formation was drawn out within a split second, preventing everyone still remaining inside the ballroom from casting or using magic. And that was happening, the other members of Claymore 2, dressed as locals, whipped out their tasers and fired directly at the two knights that just began to react to the sudden appearance of a magic circle. The two knights with the unnatural superhuman reactions managed to draw their pace-bound swords but and slashed away at the taser darts, but they temporarily froze as they tried to draw magic to enhance their abilities, only to find that the magic in the area was blocked. This gave the opening for Claymore 2 soldiers to fire again, and the taser dart stuck into their plate mail before discharging 50,000 volts. The metal and the plate mail barely stopped the current from flowing out and the electricity flowed through their bodies, overloading their nervous system. Both knights flopped onto the floor like fish underwater as they jerked and spasmed. Yet they still managed to push themselves up and endure the electricity current in their systems, only to have another half-dozen taser darts fired on them. The crowd nearest the action screamed and the people tried to get away from the sudden fight, making a commotion which Judas turned his attention towards. Mills suddenly darted forward and grabbed the surprised Titania into his arms and he moved back while the marines suddenly appeared and aimed their weapons at the delegates. Checkmate, mother fricker. Fire! A line of rifles erupted and charging knights coming out to the edge of the grounds of the garden. Powerful floodlights installed around the perimeter of the mansion blinded the charging knights and provided the marines easy targets to shoot at. The blinded knights bolted at the charge despite being amped up with magic enhancements starting to drop as rifle rounds hammered into their bodies, breaking the protective spells, bones, and flesh. The crowd of guests stood dumbstruck as they watched a line of twenty soldiers easily kill a force of elite knights three times their strength. It was the first time for most of the people here to witness the power and strength of the barbarians' might, and they were shocked, some even questioning if it was just a show. This is madness. End of chapter. Chapter 290. Double the fun, double the ransom. Orwell's Point docks. Light him up, Lieutenant of Falcom Company Platoon 4 yelled as the powerful floodlights flashed to life. 
its powerful beam bathing over the silver Imperial River barge with a glow as bright as day. The Imperial Knights and Guards flinched away from the sudden glare of light beams that covered the ships with surprise. Drop your weapons and put both your hands up. Any resistance will be dealt with with lethal force. I repeat, drop your weapons and surrender now. The guards and knights looked at each other in confusion, but did not surrender. Instead, they rushed their men and blisters and armed themselves. Prepare to repel boarders. Sir, the blue boys are not showing any signs of surrender, the platoon sergeant commented, and the two ships upriver are weighed anchored and appears to be coming support to the silver ship. Take them both out, the lieutenant of platoon forwarded. Boss says dead or alive. Orwell's Point Harbor Defense Tower Gunner, target Bravo 1, 3-inch gun commander, ordered. Loader, give him H-E. Aye. On! The gun commander peered out from the slit of the tower bunker and yelled his order. Fire! The 3-inch gun sighted inside the 5-story high artillery tower roared as the gunner yanked the firing cord. The gun crew leapt into action before echoing roar of the 3-inch guns disappeared and started to service the weapon without even checking whether the shot had landed. The H.E. shell spiraled out of the five-meter-long barrel, and it showered a spiry sparks, smoke, and gas. It wobbled slightly as it tapered nose and plowed through the night air with a shriek at a velocity of roughly 800 meters per second. Less than four seconds later, the shell's nose impacted one of the river barges designated as Bravo 1, near the forward quarter of the top deck. The force of the impact drove the twin fire-ruined wafers together 0.2 seconds later. By then, the shell had punched through the top deck and hit the inner deck before detonating. The force of the explosion in the confined space of the barge lifted the stern of the ship upwards, while the bow was forced into a river water. The hull bulged out and splintered as they could not withstand the force of the explosion. Immediately, the forward half of the barge vanished into a mass of smoke, fire, and wood splinters. The explosion lit up the river and echoed towards Orwell's Point Dock. The roar of the three-inch gun did not wake or scare the people of the city. The dying roar of the river barge almost certainly did. The gun commander grinned with satisfaction and turned around. Good hit. Now target Bravo 2. Aye. On. Fire. Knight Sergeant Kylan turned to look at his men gathered upon the gangway of the river barge. The illumination spells on the barbarians were surprisingly overpowered. As the glow of those spells lit up even the interior of the open hatch, casting a bright white glow. The attack must have gone as planned, he said to the men. A signal for our attack hasn't gone up yet, but since the enemy is alerted, we will fight our way out. Ready, men? He yelled. The ships upriver will come to assist us. We must take the docks from them to land. For the Empire! The knights and the men in arms roared as one. For the Rothschilds! Good. Shield bearers to guard the front. Make sure your protection spells are boosted to the maxa. A sudden roar of thunder could be heard, cutting off Kylan's words. He turned his head in the direction of the thunderous roar and wondered what was that, when suddenly another thunderous roar could be heard, and a flash of orange glow could be seen from the open hatch. What is that? He and his men peered out to the side of the hatches in the direction of the rising fireball. What in the heavens is happening? Governor's estate, ballroom, Acker. The low, red, short ears yelled with a triumphant expression on his face while his filthy hands held onto Lady Titania's body. Judas hissed in anger and drew his sword, ripping the peace-bound bindings in a smooth move and pointed the sword towards the barbarian's face. 
He ignored the dozen barbarians that surrounded him and his men. The crowd hushed at the actions and quickly moved away, creating an empty space around for them. Take your filthy hands off of her or I'll cut them off. Na 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 boo boo. The barbarian made a strange mocking sound and even stuck out his tongue at him, making him even angrier. You asked for it. Judas roared and suddenly darted forward with the speed of a striking viper. Merle's mocking smile disappeared as the Imperial before him suddenly appeared and vanished. He threw himself backwards while hugging the surprised Titania tightly in his arms. He turned his body just as he felt a stinging bite in the back and he hit the floor of the ballroom with a grunt. Die! Judas stood above Merle's and Titania with a reverse sword in his hand and stabbed point down. Frick! Moles rolled away from the screaming and struggling Titania in his arms, dodging away from the sword thrust. Once he was clear, he shoved Titania away from him, making her slide across the ballroom. Come on, you jerk! Moles rolled onto his feet and put up his fists in a fighting stance. They'd have fight me like a man! Without magic? Psst! Judas stood up there cockily. I'm not even using magic! Really? Moles whispered into his mic. He's not! The anti-magic field's already up! Came back the reply in his earpiece. Oh, frick me, Moles cursed softly. He eyed Titania, dusting herself off on the floor, and grinned wickedly before gesturing Judas to come at him. Come at me, bro! Judas' eyes narrowed as he sheathed his sword. I'm going to so enjoy beating you to death. He strolled forward confidently towards Moles without putting any defense up. I'll show you the difference between our strength and make her watch how you choke in your blood. Judas unbuckled his plate mail off and dropped his heavy armor to the side. The armor made a dull thunk as it hit the floor. Oh sure, take it all off, Mills grinned, evilly before he suddenly straightened up and quickly drew the taser out of his holster and fired without a pause. The twin prongs of the taser dart dug into Judas's clothes and bit against his skin with a sharp prick. What's this? Judas looked down at the small dart on his chest and reached forwards to tear it off. A millisecond later, the dart dumped 25,000 volts of electricity into his body, making him spasm and jerked on the spot. Judas stood there with his senses blanked out in a strange pose. He barely could think and move, finding his body seemed to be locked up and pain with liquid fire, cursing through his body. Ah, frick. Mills gave a look at his taser. I accidentally set it to half power. Now this is the correct setting. Moles grinned evilly as he emptied the remaining four shots of the taser into the body of Judas. <laughs> Judas did a sort of dance on the spot with a total of 200,000 volts ran through his body. Oh, he peed his pants. Moles commented as he watched Judas spasming on the floor. Tack wins, witches. Docs. Impossible! Night Sergeant Kylan cried out in horror as he saw the burning silhouette of one of the river barges. How did they surrender now, or we will use lethal force? Those heathens, Kylan cursed, kill them all. Kill, the men roared out as they charged the gangway. They advanced in formation, shields up to the front and side, similar to the Romans' tortoise formation. The knights were extremely confident in their formation, with magic boosting their defenses. This formation was nigh impossible to break unless you had a mighty magic or a very heavy weapons. Sir, looks like a free target for us. The platoon sergeant grinned at from behind the sandbag bunker. Too bad we can't turn them to three-inch guns on them. We don't want to destroy the docks, the lieutenant replied with a smile. MGs, make ready. Fire. 
Four MG1s and one 50 cal team had set up shop covering the docks for the purpose of the visiting delegates. The men had remained hidden under the sandbag bunkers on the roofs of the warehouses and fortified buildings around the docks. The Imperial formation came forward down the pier in a blistering march, only to slam into a wall of machine gun fire. Sparks and ricocheting rounds lit up the docks as the bullets impacted the magic barrier of the Imperials. The formation came to a slow halt as the force of the bullets hammered the knights, forcing them to brace against the rain of bullets. One by one, to the knights' horror, the magic barriers of protection shattered as the heavy fire overwhelmed the magic. Finally, the last barrier shattered into sparks and the 388 and 50 cal rounds, no longer facing any arcade resistance, punched through the shields of the knights and the whole first rank of bodies started dancing and jerking on the spot. Bits of body parts started flying as the more powerful 50 cal plowed through the knights, shattering the morale and the lives as easy as tearing paper. Cease fire! Cease fire! The order rang out down the line of marines, and the last ricocheting round disappeared into the night sky, like a souped-up firefly. Barely five minutes on the docks, men lay dying amongst the grisly remains, screaming and crying. Further off-river, the burning hulks of the two river barges lit up the night. Governor's estate, ballroom. Sergeant Mills! Lieutenant Silverstar gave a frown at the half-naked human getting medical attention. You could have given him a heart attack with that number of darts. Well, sir, Mills grinned abashedly. Marine Basics 101. Shoot first and sort out the bodies later. Silverstar shook his head helplessly at Mills. We want him to be in one piece so we can question him. You know that, right? Sir, Mills gestured with his chin at Judas who was being restrained on a stretcher and carried off to a secured facility. That joke is pretty tough. Better safe than sorry. Good job, Sergeant, Captain Joseph suddenly appeared. You stopped that Imperial and protected Lady Titania. Mills turned and saw Titania with a gold mage, Liz at one side, surrounded by Claymore two troops. We have gotten them all, sir. Yes, everyone, Joseph nodded, but we will need to do a sweep of the city. We do not know how many of the men they infiltrated into the city. But with this failed attack, Joseph grinned, we destroyed the main powers of the Rothschild. All of his knights that he is so proud of, Joseph gestured outside the window, all defeated in one swoop. Now, with all the prominent locals seeing our strength and the defeat of the famed Knights of Silver, our position is even more stable. Even if the Rothschild sent 20,000 troops down without the support of his knights, Joseph continued, he can't force a siege on us. The only threat he has against us has been destroyed. Lieutenant Silverstar's understanding Joseph's meaning said, what we are worried about is the insertion of his troops under the cover of the knight's power. We can stop mass infantry, but not tiny pockets of raiders protected by magic. Silverstar explained to Mills, seeing his confused face. Those knights will wreak havoc on the city and behind the lines if they manage to break through the defenses. But tonight, we managed to take them all out. And now, with his younger son and his only daughter in our hands, Mills grinned and rubbed his hands wickedly. We can double the ransom. <laughs> End of chapter 291 Families Titania and Rothschild sat to one side of the chairs by the ballroom and stared dumbstruck at the parties of people clearing the bodies of the knights off carefully manicured lawns that had been destroyed by the battle. It was not even a battle, she thought to herself, barely a skirmish which saw the lives of over a hundred elite knights destroyed. She knew these barbarians had powerful magic, but this was out of her expectations totally, and she shivered at the fear at the thought of how they could destroy the knights and dragons in lesser time of boil water. Hey, 
Mole strolled up to her and draped a uniform over her bare shoulders. Are you okay? Titania looked back and smiled at the soldier, who was wearing a grey shirt smiling before her. Is, is your back all right? Yeah, Mills grinned. It's just a scratch. I, I'm sorry. She gave a low bow to Mills. I did not expect Judas to attack you. Save it, princess. Mills waved an apology away. We know he was planning something, and I didn't want him to accidentally hurt you too. Tatiana felt torn between duty and loyalty as she heard his words. She knew of Judas's plans, but at the same time, she did not want to see this man killed. But in the end, she chose to follow Judas. Yet when Judas attacked them both, he protected her without any regard for his life. Take it easy, Mulch gently pushed Tatiana back to her seat. You just recovered from the gunshot wound and a broken arm. Even if you normally wear armor and swing a sword, you shouldn't move too much. Tatiana nodded shyly and sat there watching the bodies of a family of knights being carried away of sadly. What happens now? What will you do to me and my brother? Oh, we won't hurt you all, Mills replied. After all, you're still valuable guests. <laughs> Tatania sighed inwardly. Is money all you think about? Money? <laughs> Mills grinned. Who doesn't like to be rich? Besides, it's not money we're talking about here. Rather, to create a peaceful and stable region here. How will you be able to do that? Tatania asked curiously. This area is doing well, but you all came here and took it over. You all started this war. You sure? Mills sat down next to Tatania. At least half the people here used to be enslaved by the Empire. Do you think they were happy? Well, they lost and they should be happy that they were not killed, Tatania exclaimed. So the winner gets to control the fates of the losers, Mills shook his head. You lost, so are you happy? I... Tatania closed her mouth as she couldn't argue his point. Look, Mills gently explained, there are good wars and bad wars. We are fighting a good war here, trying to free people from oppression and give them the freedom back. Well, that might sound all grand and selfless, but in actual fact this is a war to create a protective line to protect my people. Mills continued, we know how ruthless the Empire can be, you especially since you are at the forefront of it all. Do you think that tearing families apart and selling children and women into slavery is right? Mills asked, why do you think we even bothered to fight? Is it to prevent people like um, this from invading our homes? Do you still understand what this war is about? Moles turned to Titania seriously. This war is to protect our families. UNS Singapore, Command Bridge. 279 confirmed kills, 46 wounded on the enemy's side. The image of Joseph spoke. We got 19 wounded, all in stable condition with Dr. Sharon's help. Another 23 in custody, including the Imperial Head Delegate and the youngest son of the Rothschild and other members of the entourage. Joseph continued. Two of the river escorts were totally destroyed with all hands on board. Joseph added to his report, unconfirmed number of deaths on those two ships. I have men sweeping the riverbanks for any survivors and also having the local police sweep the city for any more infiltrators that might be lurking in the city. Any ideas of how they managed to escape the cordoned off area and enter the city? Blake asked. No, sir, Joseph replied, but we suspect it was with the help conceding magic that the enemy slipped in knights and teams from the ships into the city. What are the locals? Blake asked again. No one is hurt, but they are highly impressed with our weapons and tactics, Joseph replied. We have several merchants wishing to acquire our spells for sale, and inquiry of signing up with us have gone up. Good. At least now the locals know our strength, Blake grinned. How about the prisoners? We haven't started interrogations yet due to some, um, issues, Joseph said. 
They need some time to recover before we can start, and also we are awaiting intel to send someone down to do the questioning. But now we at least have two high-value targets in our possession, Joseph added. We can place more pressure on the Rothschilds and prevent him from sending any more troops. Good work, Blake nodded. Keep it up. Thank you, sir. The image of Joseph flickered off and Blake turned to Commander Ford at the side. Our foothold at the North Front is doing good now. We should be able to hold on to our resources there. Ford nodded. With the control of the surrounding trade, farms and mines of the region of Orwell's Point, Haven can now direct its resources to other critical projects. Yes, and now with the arrival of a thousand volunteers into Frank and Pike's boot camp, we can start our next plow to the plan once they are trained. Sawtooth Mountain Pass, Hellsgate. Ex-Knight Captain Gavin stared in wonder at the tower walls and the massive groaning gate as it was sliding open. He noted and was amazed by the thickness of the gates that the wider than a man could stretch out with both his hands on the sides. He remembered the week before when he had gathered his people outside the compound of the city walls. A soldier in a strangely covered padded uniform barked at them and formed them up into groups of fifty men each. They were told that they would head off into the convoy to a place where they would learn to be soldiers, much to the annoyance of veterans in the group. The barbarian soldiers ignored their cussing and instead told them that they will move out in two waves as there wasn't enough transport to move them all at once. Next came as a surprise to some, as they boarded carriages and moved unnaturally fast and smooth without the dragons pulling. Others who had experienced working before with the barbarian lodge showed off their knowledge of these trucks to the uninitiated. Gavin was surprised and worried when they saw that were travelling in an uncharted forest, and none of the men with him were even harmed. There wasn't even a knife between them all. But the barbarian soldiers assured them that it was all fine, as the frightened men panicked and thought about entering the forest without any weapons. Gavin decided to trust his instincts of Lord Joseph that would not trick them and kill them all. He roared out and settled the fears of his men, in the vehicle keeping his own fears down. The winding dirt road that travelled on was well trampled by the constant transports ferrying materials back and forth between the two cities. They travelled with only a single attack from a pack of owlbears that were taken care of faster than one would reload a crossbow. Most to Gavin's surprise at the weapons and magic these barbarian soldiers wield. It was the first time that he'd seen the weapons and magics in action, and he admitted, if he was an army of soldiers trained this way, what Lord Joseph had said to the skill of cold steel weapons was completely useless without this form of warfare. Feeling excited from the prospect of learning these new weapons and magic, Gavin greatly looked forward to reaching the end of the destination. They travelled in the forest for almost four days before they reached a large camp where they saw hundreds of workers clearing the forest and laying a road that was large enough to have four of the trucks that they were travelling on move side by side. Once they moved onto the roads, the speed of their convoy picked up and the men were further amazed by how much faster and smoother the ride was once they were on a proper road. Barely a day passed and they reached the chain of mountains that appeared before the pass that was guarded by a massive gate. They had a quick meal and relieved themselves before they were loaded up into another vehicle that looked different from the one that they were traveling in. The new vehicle took them to another place and they exited the vehicle. They saw several soldiers before them. I am 2nd Lieutenant Arvin. Welcome to Camp Alpha, leading soldiers said. Before you, there are yellow lines drawn on the ground. Each of you is to form up in ranks before them. Move! Gavin looked around and spotted the neatly drawn yellow lines on the ground and stood before him, while the others slowly formed up one by one. 
Lieutenant Arben shook his head in a sluggish movement at the new recruits and sighed dramatically. Hello, my grandma can move faster than you. Never mind, the lot of you, push up position now. Arben roared and gestured to his men to the side. If you don't understand, follow the instructors. Gavin was confused, but seeing some of the soldiers performing the action, he followed. Soon the whole group, on down, ungranting effort to keep up the position. Some dropped down and were knees only to get hit by the drill baton, forcing them back to position. Now I am not a cruel man. Lieutenant Arvin walked down the lines of grunting recruits. I am here to train you in the instrument of death, but before that you are the lowest life form in this world. You are maggots. The first word and last word out of your mouths will be sir, Arvin continued. Is that clear? Huh? Arvin put his hand by his ear and asked, I can't farking hear you. Yes, sir. Sir, yes. Oh, my heavens, Arvin sighed. Are you freaking deaf? I said, first word and last word out of your holes is sir. Sir, yes, sir. Good, you worms are learning. Arvin grinned. You... What are you doing? Sir, Gavin pushed himself up and rubbed his tired hands. I'm a knight captain. I kind of treatment belittles my rank. Oh, Arvin walked up before Gavin and sneered. We got ourselves a knight captain. What's your name? Arvin asked gently. Knight Captain Gavin of Blackvale. Gavin proudly stated his lineage. I'm here to learn the ways of war with the blessing of your Lord Joseph. I see. Arvin nodded and suddenly jabbed a shock baton into the meaty portion of Gavin's back. Shocking him, you are nothing but a recruit now. You want to learn the ways of war of us marines? Arvin roared, then you better follow the rules of our beloved marine corps. All of you will address yourselves as recruit from now onwards till you pass out from boot camp. Arvin ignored the spasming Gavin on the floor and started to explain to the crowd of trembling recruits. What is your name, recruit? Arvin crouched down next to Gavin and asked, Sir, recruit Gavin, sir. Gavin gritted his teeth in pain. Boo crap! Arvin screamed at his ear. You are now Recruit Big Fark. What is your farking name, Recruit? Sir, Recruit Big Fark, sir. End of chapter. Chapter 292. No rest for the wicked. UNS Singapore, Captain's Quarters. Is this report true? Blake asked as he read through the paper document with red stamps of top secret stamped here and there. Intel officer Tavar nodded, as much as the info I could gather from the boy. But there is no way for us to verify the truth, he added. If what he claims is truth, Blake put down the report. It could change the war totally for us. Yes, sir, Tavar replied, but as I said, we can't deny or verify the facts. We could be spinning a tale for all we know. Even with the truth stone, Blake asked, if the person under the truth stone strongly believes what he is saying is the truth... Tabor explained, the truth stone will only show you the person is telling the truth. It is not a fail-proof method, Tabor continued. If the person was subjected to brainwashing, whatever he or she says will show up to be true cause. He or she has been led to believe it. And the boy has been working with Raman and his gang for quite some time. We do not know what had done to the boy during that time together, Tabor added. But we did manage to verify one point of his story, which was the time he spent on board a merchant ship called the Wave Dancer. We managed to rescue one person from the landing party, Tavar said, and that person has now joined us as a shipwright. He verified the part of the boy on board of the ship had even recognized him. Interesting, Blake rubbed his chin. Can we use the boy for our own political ways? 
Hard, sir, Tabor replied. The boy has not much influence with any of the prominent lords in the empire, as he stated. He does have an uncle that favors him, but he appears to be in a level with mid-bureaucracy role within the empire. Tabor gestured to the documents. Influence-wise, not much. All right, keep digging, Blake nodded. Find out everything you can on the boy. He's relatives and who he's sympathetic to him. Yes, sir. Airspace north of Orwell's Point, Blue Thunder gently rode the warm air currents as he and his crew patrolled the region, on the lookout for any Imperials. Before them, the shoreline of the Salt Sea spread out as far as the eye could see. The freshwater lake was massive, almost like a sea of its own, sparkled under the sunlight. Boss! Boss! Blue Thunder called out. Why do you think Raz is ignoring me? Of course she's ignoring you, you dense piece of dragon crap. Flight Sergeant Stamford muttered, she was expecting you to save her because you liked her or something, not because of duty. Oh, but I do like her, Blue Thunder sighed. There was a misunderstanding. Well, tell her that, Stamford shook his head. Explain it with, um, some gifts that dragons would like. Um, Blue Thunder tilted his head and folded his arms and lazily glided in the air. Would a dread dragon like fresh meat, gold, monster ivory, flowers? Can't help you there, mate, Stamford laughed. I'm not a pro with chasing dragons. Maybe I find some nice dramas for her. The Ruth on the side. Maybe she'll cheer her up. Sure thing, Stanford patted Blue Thunder's side. Okay, focus on the patrol now. Okie dokie, Blue Thunder's side. I think I see something there. What is there? Stanford asked, alerted. Looks like ships, Blue Thunder moaned. Why can't we ever have a nice patrol without seeing anything? Get us closer. Orwell's Point, Marine Command. So, we got a whole invasion fleet just beached offshore north of us, Joseph clarified. How many troops? Which faction? Estimated 20,000, the operator replied. Imperial. Rothschild, Joseph frowned. Hmm, how far away are they? Roughly two days' march away, the operator reported. Dragon One reports majority as infantry. Drop a UAV over, Joseph ordered, and bring up the alert to Orange. Magister Thorne's lab. Where is it? Thorne opened and pulled open another drawer and ransacked the contents inside. Where has it gone to? He searched frantically, high and low, all over his workspace. Even the sofas were overturned. How did I misplace it? He paused to take a breather as the room was turned upside down by his mad search. I know, Dr. Sharon was here the last time. Quickly leaving his room, he dashed out towards Dr. Sharon's workplace and found her hunched over some paperwork in her office. Dr. Sharon, Magister Thorne panted. Did you take it? Take what? Dr. Sharon paused in her work and gave Thorne a quizzed look. The vial of blood, Magister Thorne asked. Restraza's blood. Huh? Dr. Sharon gave a confused expression. I did not touch it at all. But, but, Magister Thorne flopped down on one of the chairs in the office and looked defeated. It's lost. Are you sure you did not misplace it? Dr. Sharon looked at the disheveled Thorne and asked gently, Did you put it in your room? No, no. Thorne sighed. I checked and searched everywhere. Someone must have taken it. But who? Dr. Sharon asked. Who has entered your room? I... I don't know. Thorne frowned. I kept it carefully in my lab. I am certain of it, but this morning it was gone. When is the last time you were in your lab? Dr. Sharon asked. Yesterday afternoon, Thorne replied sadly. After that, I was at the ball, and only returned this morning to find the vial of dragon's blood missing. Do you know who would want a vial of dragon's blood? Dr. Sharon continued to ask. Who would need it? I don't know. Thorne rubbed his head. It has potent magic powers. Anyone who uses magic will find it a great arcane catalyst. So that means almost everyone here is a suspect. 
Dr. Sharon sighed. Let us go report this and see if there is any security footage of the cameras in the corridor. Let's hurry! Vaughan quickly dragged Dr. Sharon off to find the guard commander. But to his disappointment, there were no cameras installed anywhere near his door. The only cameras were installed in key choke points only. Now what? Dr. Sharon asked Thorne, who sighed deeply. We got no clues and you trashed up your place. They stood inside Thorne's messy lab. Even if there was a theft, you destroyed all evidence. Oh well, I guess. I could try my luck with straws again, Thorne replied. I just hope that no one used that vile dragon blood for evil purposes. Anyway, I think it's better to report it to Joseph, just in case. North of Orwell's Point Landing Fleet. My lord, the soldier bowed and reported. All troops and supplies have been offloaded from the ships. Good, Rock nodded. And the scouts? They have been deployed already, the soldier replied. The 14th, 16th, 32nd, 33rd and 35th Dragon Calls will be joining us the next day. Any word from the Rothschilds? Rurok asked as they made their way to the front, gathering troops. Not yet, my lord, the soldier said. We expect to hear from them within the day. Ensure that they have sent supplies down to us, the Rock ordered. Also, I want you to make sure that they have dispatched reinforcements to us, too. The Rock turned his attention to a score of wagons that carried the bronze men. Does the Rothschilds know that we are dealing with here? No, my lord, the soldier replied. The Emperor did not deem it fit to news to spread. Find out what the Rothschild knows, the Rock said. Since the Emperor did not inform him, I see no reason he needs to know either. Yes, my lord, the soldier bowed and headed off to carry out his orders. Order the men to set four, the Rock ordered. I want the men to be as close as possible to the city before they discover our army. Orwell's Point Marine Stronghold Move, move, move! The marines, laden with heavy gear, embarked onto awaiting transports, while others moved pallets and crates of ammunition and other supplies aboard. Lieutenant Silverstar! Joseph stood at the marshalling ground of the stronghold and called out to the various company commanders. I want your Falcon Company to take up a defensive position on the other side. You will hold the ground with the river on your left. Dig in and go to ground, Joseph ordered as he gestured to the map of the region. Eagle Company will hold the right flank. Hawk Company will set up a firebase northeast of the city and provide fire support. Joseph said to Hawk OC, I want one of the MAWs to anchor in the center of the line, the other MAW to be stationed at firebase of support. What is the status of the MAW that was salvaged back? Joseph asked the first cavalry commander. It's uh, still out of service, sir, one of the cavalry commanders replied. But the gun and the turret still working well. Only the legs are out of action. If needed, put it on the wall for static defense, Joseph ordered. No point in wasting a good gun. Now I want both PT boats to patrol the river to prevent any enemy forces from surprising us from the riverside. His finger traced the river on the map. Cover the flanks and a falcon company. Griffin, I know your men are due for rotation back to Haven, but all the eve is cancelled now. He addressed the Griffin O.C., you and your men will hold the city together with 3rd Battalion's Impala and Jackal Company. Joseph turned to the two new company commanders that came with convoys. I want the local police to be on high alert for any spies or infiltrators into the city, Joseph said to the city police commissioner, previously the local head watchman. All planes are to be on standby for now, Joseph turned to the Air Force Ground Commander. We know what their purpose is. Have your men on full standby and ready to roll on any moment. Is that clear, gentlemen? Yes, sir. The hustle and bustle of the marines readying for war did not go unnoticed to the locals, but morale was high as the word had spread of the strength of the soldiers was as strong or even greater than imperial knights. 
Hundreds of citizens turned out to the streets to watch the parade of armored vehicles and transports that rolled out from the castle and out into the city. Children ran alongside the moving vehicles waving at the marines, while most of the people cheered for the soldiers. Some remained reserved as they remained skeptical of the strength of the soldiers and did not want to take a side yet in the war. Watching the departing vehicles, Titania sighed heavily as she wondered if the soldiers were being deployed against her father's forces and would they face another overwhelming defeat. She now fully knew the strength of these barbarian soldiers were way more powerful compared to her family's forces, especially now with the total defeat of the Knights of Silver. They wouldn't even stand a chance. If her family forces were deployed, other lords in the region would no longer listen to her father, and internal unrest would soon follow. Titania banged on the room of a door, calling for the guards to bring her to Lord Joseph. She must stop the battle at all costs, or her family would be doomed. Evelyn sat next to a window, watched the rumbling vehicles rolling out of the main gates one by one. She twitched the clear glass vial in her hand and smiled as she felt the magic emitting from the vial. With his blood, she could call upon the soul of Dante back and from the abyss. She clutched the vial tightly to her bosom and continued to watch the flow of the vehicles exiting the castle. Soon, my love. Soon. End of chapter. And that, my friends, concludes this video. I hope that you enjoyed. If you did, please consider supporting the author from the link down below. Otherwise, if you wish to support this channel, there are numerous ways to do so, like liking, subscribing, and possibly even becoming a patron. Otherwise, the easiest way would be to share. And until the next video, I hope that you all have a good one, and I'll see you then. Cheers.